Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Postwriter's flagship podcast, The Pony Express. As always, I'm your host, Mike Levito. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Postwriter, and I'm joined by Postwriter President Lars Emerson. CEO. God, I knew it was one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Not that it matters. I'm the politics editor is what really matters for this episode. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, a very political show. And I'm also joined by Postwriter contributor Alex Hunter. Hey, everybody. How's everyone doing? All right. We're all here. Um, it seems like whenever there's a Marvel thing happening, that's what we end up talking about, and that will hold true again for this episode. We are going to be talking about the latest Marvel TV show to stream on Disney+, Plus. Uh, the one that everybody knows and loves. It is called Moon Knight, which is, of course, based on the Marvel comic book character Moon Knight. And it stars Oscar Isaac as the titular Moon Knight. Uh, <laughs> May Kalamawe as uh, his, I would say, estranged wife, Layla. F. Murray Abraham as the mysterious Khonshu. Ethan Hawke as the villainous Arthur Harrow. And that's, I would say, the, the most important cast members. So, Moon Knight, it's interesting, right? It's kind of difficult premise to explain because uh, it is... it it, it It's... I wouldn't call it a mystery box per se, but it's kind of presented it like a mystery box. Like I would say, in a way, it probably has more. It's probably more akin to like Westworld and Lost than any Marvel show that's been made prior. Essentially, uh, we we begin the series following the character of Stephen Grant, who is this kind of nebbish uh, gift shop worker in a museum in the UK, who is also an expert on Egypt. And he has a sleepwalking problem, but he soon discovers that he doesn't really have a sleepwalking problem. What he has is a multiple personality problem. And that other personality is Mark Spector, who is the avatar of the Egyptian moon god Khonshu. And what that means is he is also Moon Knight, which means that he can summon the suit and sort of like be wrapped in this um, mystical mummy-esque armor that gives him superpowers. And he is trying to defeat Arthur Harrow, who is seeking to become the avatar of Amit, uh, who is another Egyptian god whose whole deal is that um, she wants to basically pre it, It's very Minority Report, I believe you described once, Lars, where she is trying to um, judge everybody as good or bad, and that means you could be doing bad things in the future. And if you, are, you have done anything bad in the past or anything bad in the future you are going to be struck dead. Um, it, it is by far the hardest like premise of a Marvel thing to explain to your parents, as I learned. <laughs> it's very, very strange. I would say so. It is also, I don't know if I said this already, um, but importantly, it is also the first uh, Disney Plus Marvel show to introduce, um, whose primary character is one who has not been introduced in a prior movie or TV show, right? We've had WandaVision, which of course starred the Scarlet Witch and the Vision, who are introduced in the Avengers films. Loki, pre-Silvis Laurentia there. We've had Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Excuse me, that was not correct. The Winter Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which becomes Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, and we have also had Hawkeye. Uh, so Whoa. I guess I just want to... Yes, Lars? Hawkeye! <laughs> I, I really like Hawkeye. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I just want to start off um, with kind of how we felt coming into this, um, given sort of Moon Knight's uh, relatively obscure stature and um, just kind of going in without really much of an idea of maybe what it was going to be about. How, how do, or did you guys actually know a lot about Moon Knight beforehand? Just curious how, how, what, what you were coming in with, what perspective you had as we entered this show. Yeah... I, I I remember Moon Knight from back in the day of him being one of the characters on the side of Marvel comics where you didn't really care about, <laughs> you know, though that that kind of that action figure that you didn't care about or like that character and like he was kind of the side role, so it, it makes sense that he's part of the what is this the Phase Four rollout, um, yeah. and I, I knew a little bit about the source material and I was very confused on why they picked Moon Knight at first. Um, because it is kind of a more in-depth character and less, like, flashiness of what the Avengers and Marvel have become. 
Um, but that's why I kind of knew going into it. Yeah, I mean, I'd say I was kind of in the same boat, just with less of a comics understanding, just like a basic understanding. Um, so, you know, I, I would say I was uh, going in relatively empty. Yeah, I um, am the outlier in that I actually knew a bit about Moon Knight because one of my best friends growing up, Moon Knight was his favorite superhero. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your friend that is Moon Knight yeah. is his favorite superhero? So, right when I first started seriously, like, buying and reading comics, like, my friend was doing the same, and that's right when, like, the Warren Ellis Moon Knight series came out. And I think he just... I, I don't remember if it was a thing where, like... We were also into Hero Clicks, so I don't remember if it was a thing where, like, he bought Hero Clicks and got a Moon Knight Hero Click and wanted to know more about him. Or... He, do you guys even remember what hero clicks were? <laughs> I, was to, I was about to ask you, like, what is a hero click? Uh, do you remember what, do you know Mage Knights? <laughs> no. Okay. No. They were like these, um, Jersey thing, no, it's not, no. <laughs> um, so they were like this minute, it was a miniatures game, basically, right? Um, you bought these miniatures of superheroes, both DC and Marvel, um, and you would like play like a tabletop game with them. We never played the tabletop mm-hmm. game. Because we didn't know the rules, we just liked the figures. Um, anyway, and was like, but but eventually got super into the comic. Um, it was a very like violent comic um, at the time, and so I I knew a little about, and I was I was like pretty excited. You know, I I find it to be an interesting character. Um, a lot of people kind of described it as like Marvel's take on Batman, which I think there there's there's some truth to that. You know, in the comics, Mark Spector is very wealthy. Um, whereas in in the show he was not really, and yeah, it, it it's I it's an interesting kind of other direction for Marvel because it is a little bit of a I mean he's an inherently violent character right, and I feel like you know Marvel has kind of positioned themselves as to be reductive family entertainment to some extent right, um, which is not to say Doctor Strange yeah well n- next week we'll be talking about like perhaps another digression from that but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, I, I don't know. But it's interesting, right? Because this, the the way this show is structured, it's it's basically, I think it kind of relies on you not knowing. You probably, my guess is you probably get the most out of this show if you don't know a ton about the character because it is shaped as a mystery, right? I, yeah. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is that if you compare it with a lot of the actual details of the source material, um, you know, they, they're obviously, obviously... You know, with every source material, there's going to be changes, but they make, I think, kind of needed changes um, in the fact of, you know, most people don't know who Moon Knight is, and the fact that it it makes it a little bit more tolerable towards the second half of the miniseries. Yeah, based on my understanding of kind of the changes they made, I think I am universally happy about all of them. Yeah. (laughs) Especially with regards to our, our... I hesitate to say second protagonist because Oscar Isaac plays like most of our protagonists. But, um, uh, 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 May May's character, Layla. So, uh, yeah, Layla is is I guess our other lead by the end. Yeah, the sup, um, um, second lead. And I know that was like a novel. She was like a creation, more or less. Yeah, is, is, I mean, his wife in the comics is kind of like neutered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that was a great change. I mean, you see it towards the end of the series where you know there's a there's a reference like, oh, you're the you're an Egyptian superhero. Oh, you know, and that's a that's a nice touch. Um, mm-hmm. and her her outfit, her costume is pretty badass. So, um, yeah. that was pretty cool to see. That was pretty cool to see. Yeah, it was almost like a better Falcon costume than the movie Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah i i think i would agree with you changes wise like i feel like this is kind of a i feel like you could really screw this up in the sense that it is kind of an inherently uh to be overly academic like an inherently sort of like orientalist um uh conceit like the idea of this kind of uh you know american going to egypt and then becoming sort of like one with an egyptian uh, deity and and that being like the inspiration for this like very brutal form of vengeance and justice um, and I think they handled it well you know the director of all the episodes was uh, Mohammed Diab who is in fact Egyptian 
Um, so I'm sure that helps a little bit. Um, but yeah, so the show is structured, like I said, really as a mystery, right? We were introduced with Stephen Grant. We spend most of our time with Stephen Grant. But what we soon come to learn is that uh, Stephen Grant is not the original. In fact, Mark Spector is the original. And Stephen Grant is actually another personality he developed uh, as a response to his abusive mother. Uh, we learned that in the second to last episode, which I think was probably the best episode. Um, I, I think that having that device, especially for the second half of the series, was like a nice carry for the audience to keep on following. You know, like, oh, what, why did he become this character? Or why did he become mm-hmm. this personality? And, you know, you know you're, you're kind of rushing through your head when you're going through these scenes that they just keep on stopping it right, you know, when the door mm-hmm. kind of closes. And uh, it's pretty interesting to see how they improve that because I'm going to be honest here. The first three episodes, I was kind of lost. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I kind of was like, I don't know if this is as held up to like something like WandaVision. I thought it was like kind of got me from the beginning and had me enthralled throughout the whole series. And then a friend told me like, hey, this is like my favorite Marvel series. And I, so I, you know, I rewatched the three episodes and got through it, and I was just pleasantly surprised um, to see to see how it developed in the second half of the miniseries. And and to be honest, once you look back on it, you realize, considering the source material and what's going on, there's there's parts where it's convoluted, but they do a pretty good job of kind of slicing everything together, even with the editing, as far as the the blackouts that he has i think that editing is great and it it's caught it also kind of implies the violence that's in the comic books you know mm-hmm. yeah i i envy alex for watching the first three episodes of wandavision and being not confused at all but, <laughs> <laughs> um i i actually gotta say i think the third episode uh the friendly type which um uh basically focuses on when uh mark specter is who he is at that time gets to Egypt and like he has to try and figure out where the tomb is and there's that really good scene where like he well actually Steven and Conchu are like changing the night sky I just like really liked that episode from like a plot standpoint it just very effectively like delivers a character from this place to this place and like comes up with like a reasonable explanation for why Conchu cannot exist in the next two episodes um and I kind of I feel like the show is very strong in the middle. Um, yeah. Which is, I did also like episode five. I'm just, it's probably my second favorite. Yeah, yeah, that set piece of him putting the night sky together, it was like impressive. It was yeah. impressive of just like, whoa, okay, this is his power. Um, yeah. And it definitely got me on board um, with any type of uneasiness that I had previously with some of the episodes as far as like getting me interested the the Conchu the stuff is like kind of a weird um I, I think the more he and like Conchu talked the more on board I got with it is it's, it's just a very weird concept like it's I an said Egyptian like god with a... to your parents it's like <laughs> no 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 he talks to the guy too yeah. it's not him yeah yeah <laughs> there's points when you're trying to explain it to other people where it sounds like a bad joke it's right. like a schizophrenic an Egyptian god and a cult leader walking through a bar and it's just yeah. like you know but uh, what were you about to say, Michael? No, I, I was going to say, um, yeah, it, it is like an interesting concept. Like, it, it's, it, it's interesting because it's kind of a concept that's been explored in comic books in the past. Like, you think of, like, Captain Marvel, not Carol Danvers, but, like, the DC Comics Captain Marvel and Billy Batson, where it's like, yeah, he's a little kid, but then he says Shazam, and he turns into, like, a full-grown adult with, like, you know, superpowers. It's kind of like that, but it's almost like the evil version of that, where it's like, <laughs> yeah, what if you had that, but actually it was worse? And that's, like, what I find interesting about Moon Knight is that it's like, because Lars and I were messaging about this, and Lars was like, oh, so I guess it's kind of like the Marvel version of Batman. This is, like, an interesting way to do it. And I was like, yeah, it's like... When you think about it, like, who do you think is more likely to become, like, a vigilante? Like, a very, very, like, wealthy guy? Or just, like, this, like, mercenary with, like, multiple personalities? It's, like, probably the latter. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting to see that, I, I don't think anybody else could kind of pull off that uh, split personality and the schizophrenic nature of the show, like mm-hmm. I, Oscar Isaac could. Um, he's awesome. Who, yeah, he's awesome. And, mm-hmm. He is a and, great job. Because if you think about any other actor who's kind of in his age range and kind of does similar stuff, 
a lot of the if if they do this miniseries, it looks kind of stupid. You know, <laughs> it's like oh, this guy has this poor has this British accent. Like think about like I don't know, maybe I'm just going off the top of my head. Somebody like Robert Pattinson. Like mm-hmm. I don't think Robert Pattinson <laughs> pulled this off. Me personally, yeah. Or even or, though he is actually British. <laughs> yeah, even though he. But just the schizophrenic nature of the show, yeah, and yeah, just yeah. the characters. But or even somebody like a, um, even someone like a, I don't know. Maybe if even Ethan Hawke was playing this character, mm-hmm. um, I think Ethan Hawke works well in the Doctor Harrow role. Um, he but it, plays an amazing therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I've like met that therapist. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and the thing that I don't see people talking about a lot is the fact that the intro, the -hmm. intro to the show of him putting glass on his shoes, Dr. Harrow, Mm -hmm. and apparently it's a reference to his alter, or to the ego of Dr., or the alter ego of Dr. Harrow, and how he's a pain specialist. Ah. Yeah. And and they kind of don't explain that through the story, really, but it it was interesting to see, and it was definitely something that was super grisly, you know, it got your attention. Yeah, I they really didn't go into that. I had just assumed it was like because I know that's a thing in some. I hesitate to say religions, but in some like very devout, uh, uh, extremes of religions, they'll like do that, as like a you're showing penance or something based on my based on my yeah. understanding, um, like you know, but yeah, they really don't go into that. They just kind of show it. Oh yeah, and that's and that I think was kind of my um, one thing. It's interesting, right? We spent I think most of the time talking about the like the man versus self story, right? Like the Mark Specter, Stephen Grant, Conchu. I guess Conchu is technically an external entity. Um, that kind of storyline, and then which is I think compelling on its own, and then you add on like the Arthur Arthur Harrow bits, and I feel like that whole storyline left me like a little cold um which which portion of it i i I guess i just felt it just in a way the it it felt a little tacked on i guess like the the sort of super villain plot which you need to like have a show like this like get on you it can't just be mark specter talking to himself right um but i it just felt like kind of underdeveloped and eventually kind of i felt like it was kind of just like pushed to the side and used in service of like this other um, storyline about um, you know this guy with, with with multiple personalities. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. I, I I feel like I this may be an unpopular opinion, but I almost wish that the show would have gone full lost and like ended. It's like oh no, this was all just him talking to himself in like a mental institution. I think that would have been like at least like because you know that's kind of the most interesting part of the show right is like what is reality and what is not to him Uh, especially in episodes like four and five when they go into that um and i'm not saying it has to like all be like that it it could be flashbacks to like these moments of violence or like his dealing with his mother and stuff like that and then like he it turns out like he's been projecting antagonism onto his therapist who is actually evil like i don't know there's something interesting there that could be done without like giant conchu and giant crocodile god punching <laughs> each other over the you know the pyramids yeah i i think that i think that whole scene because it does kind of feel like especially with the big conchu and the other egyptian god it kind of feels like uh like marvel hadn't reached their quota of uh oh we need to have a large set piece you know and <laughs> we then, like, budget yeah we need a big cgi piece and it's just like i don't know if they needed that um why does Kanchu get big? Why wasn't he big always? Because let, let hold, hold, hold. I, I, I've okay. I also have questions about this, but let's take a quick commercial break first. Okay. The Post Rider is a brand new podcast that'll do for political junkies what the NCAA tournament does for sports fans. That's right, everyone. It's called Floor Fight, and each season we'll be creating a bracket that pits political figures and topics against each other until we end up with an ultimate winner. It's like a contested convention if a contested convention was held between two guys in a Google Hangout with too much time on their hands. For our first season, we seeded 72 losing presidential candidates for a tournament of the also-ran so we can finally answer the question, who was the greatest president we never had? 
It's the perfect show for anyone who ever wondered what would happen if Dewey really did defeat Truman, or if Palm Beach County didn't use a butterfly belt in 2000. And the best part is you can check out the seeds and prepare for the planes now at thepostwriter.com slash floorfight. See every candidate, who they'll match off against the plane in first rounds, and let us know on Twitter, at thepostwriter, who you think should win. And if those references to Dewey and Truman and Palm Beach County meant anything to you, then subscribe to Floor Fight, premiering March 1st. It's available everywhere you can find podcasts and, of course, on thepostwriter.com. My whole thing with this show is that I was like more or less, it was not blowing me away, but I was enjoying it for the first five episodes. And then the sixth episode happened and I did feel like um, it just kind of, la- I don't say landed with a thud, but that's the phrase that comes to mind in the sense that, it, like you said, Alex, it felt like this kind of like climactic CGI rush job. Like, oh crap, we only have one episode left. We have to have the big fight. Let's get it in here. And <laughs> yes, the, the whole God thing, um, like the Kanchu versus Amet thing, it it's weird, right? Because I feel like throughout the rest of the show, Mark Spector is pretty much the only one who can see Kanshu. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden he becomes like a tangible thing that everybody else, I guess, can see. Can, can they see him? I think that's... I'm not sure they can. Well, I see that that's part of the problem is that like we can't tell if like the people of Cairo can see these two they can't see the Duking e- it out. yeah the Egyptian Godzilla and King Kong what fighting each other. Is, me is you see Amit grows bigger as she consumes these evil souls. Sure, evil okay. in her minds mm-hmm. prejudges these souls. Yeah, and she grows to be a giant crocodile monster. <laughs> but then Kanchu's just like, well, I want to be big too, and he grows and he's a giant skeleton monster. I don't know why. I feel like. He'd be harder to hit if he were small. And then also, <laughs> I, I mean, okay, sorry, go on, Alex. I mean, the part is, I think the climax, the energy that they were looking for in from that CGI fight scene was probably from, or probably best reflected as far as energy wise for the show, that scene when they're on trial, when all the avatars are are you know judging. Um, Mark, or I guess the Avatar, Mark and Steven and Kanchu, and I think that's probably the the real climax for me. Like the real set piece that actually lands was mm-hmm. that you know they're they're putting the sky back together to the that time period, and then they get judged, and then you know Doc, or Arthur Harrow comes in and they have the trial with him. I thought that that was pretty cool, especially like watching it a second time and not being <laughs> or being less confused. Uh, I think that that was uh, one of the pinnacle moments for me uh, in the show. I, I like how every Egyptian god's avatar is an English person. <laughs> they weren't. They, they weren't though. I think they just seemed that way, but they weren't all actually all English. I think, aren't they all speaking with an English accent? At least one of them is, but I feel, I feel like one has like okay. a. There aren't that many English people. What are the odds? I, yeah, I think one's like Scottish, but you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're all from the Isles. That's kind of confusing. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I also, yeah, the other thing, too, is, like, as far as, like, big, like, climaxes and things go, it's, like, the other, another sort of, like, um, plot line throughout this show is that, so we know Mark Spector is one personality, we know Stephen Grant is another personality, and so initially we see Stephen Grant kind of black out, and, you know, there's been kind of, like, a scuffle and you're like, oh, what happened? And eventually, like, oh, it, it must have just been when, when Mark Spector takes over. Um, but then there are, like, a few scenes where they both black out, and you don't know what happens. And it teases this third personality. And I, the problem is, it seems like the most interesting, like, fight scenes probably took place during that blackout sequence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? Uh, which which uh, was, was, I feel like, kind of a bummer. But it also leads us into discussing the post credit scene, perhaps the most impactful post credit scene of any of these shows. Um, and also the most obvious one. Well, yes. Yeah. Which, in which Arthur Harrow was put in, like, an actual mental institution. Um, he, 
is is basically told that he has a visitor is going to get picked up or something. He goes downstairs. He sees some dead bodies. He gets in the back of a limo. Conchu is in a suit, just hanging out. Uh, not not, not but, any but limo, small. a Rolls Royce. Yeah, and like an old one too. Um, and Conchu is like, ah, Layla thought that she wanted uh, me for her to be my avatar, um, but no. Actually, why would I need her or Mark Spector when I have Jake Lockley? And then the the divider comes, the partition comes down, and it's Oscar Isaac again, but this time he's speaking Spanish, and he shoots Arthur Harrow dead, and then they drive away. <laughs> Wait a second, is it Spanish or Italian? It's Spanish. I looked it up. I, I couldn't tell at first, but I looked it up, <laughs> and it's Spanish. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Deep dive with Michael. Deep dive yeah. with Michael. <laughs> um... So yeah, and that like you know canonically in the comic books, yes, there is a third. He is not a like uh, chauffeur who speaks Spanish. He's just like a New York City cabbie, uh, Jake Lockley. But um, yeah, so that was that was a third. How did how did we feel about that? I, I was very glad that that happened. I would have been actually very very upset if they had not. They hinted at it so many times. It's it. I was reading a review or an interview. Um, in, in which someone like around the show was like, we had to be subtle about it. That there was a third personality, and I was like, but it's very strongly hinted in almost every episode. You have the third sarcophagus in the like mental institution. Oh it's, yes, like, yeah. slamming with mm-hmm. like an Oscar Isaac voice, like let me out. Um, you keep having these interactions where both Mark and Steven are like, was that you? It wasn't me, mate. <laughs> it's like it's just very strongly hinted, and then you know at the end, uh, I guess it is ultimately Jake. Lockley, who almost kills um, Harrow at the end, and then Mark is like, well, I'm not going to kill you. I'm, I'm, Steven and I are like nice, and we're not going to do what Kanchu says, because he's a skeleton monster. Um, that, like, Can you imagine a world in which there isn't that end credit scene? It makes I, no sense. It would actually make the show a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. I, I think that them weaving in it's just like you said them weaving into that uh that third personality into the storyline and it's kind of like hinting at it but not all the way divulging it yeah it would have been it would have it would have took the show a couple notches down if they didn't have that post credit scene so whoever decided or i guess they they framed it that way from the beginning that was a good touch because if they don't have it it's it's nothing it's 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 just a mystery within the show and it's it's probably going to just be one mini series, so it's um, you know. well. So that's the interesting thing, right? Is that there, um, the impression had been that it was going to just be this kind of six episode mini series, but some people have noticed that um, initially. I think it was it was either the Mar- like the MCU Twitter account, or Disney Plus Twitter account, tweeted out, and it was like, "Watch the epic series finale of Moon Knight," and it's like, "Ah, oh, that mm-hmm. means it's going to be over." But then they deleted that tweet and wrote another one saying, come watch the epic season finale oh. of um, Which means that perhaps there will be another season. Um, and also apparently it would have an impact on like how Oscar Isaac submits for the Emmys, um, which is interesting. But uh, what do, how do we feel about the possibility of a second season? Are we excited for it? Do we not care? I would say very excited. I honestly wish this series season would have had like 12 episodes. I think they try to do a lot and I think it mostly lands and I think in the last episode they like really try to do a lot and we kind of mentioned how that falls a little short. Um, I think this is like the rare Marvel show that like really like needed to either be like a set movie or, like, really needed to be more than six episodes. Because this whole, like, six episodes thing that they're, like, stuck on is actually starting to bother me. <laughs> kind of, it's just, like, you need a little more time. It's like, you show us Kingpin in the second to last episode, and then we get one episode of Kingpin. That's not, like, that's not fun for me. I want more Kingpin in Hawkeye. Yeah. There's just more to do. Um, and especially with a new character. Like, like give us more give us more Moon Knight right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean... I think that them having... I don't think this works in a movie setting. I think they had to either do a miniseries or a regular TV season with this show. I don't think it works in a movie setting. I think if they do this in a, let's say, two-hour and 15-minute two film, 
they're trying to cram way too much. I mean, think about it. Uh, the middle episodes that kind of explain a lot of what's going on yeah. don't happen. Probably a lot of that gets cut out if it's in a movie. So I think that a movie doesn't work. But I, I do agree with you on the fact that I wish they had more episodes. Um, I think that they could have kind of unfolded some of the some of the drama with those two personalities and a little bit more background. I mean, I guess, I guess they did a little bit. They they did the background obviously on a. On Oscar Isaac's character, but uh, I, I think they could have delved a little bit more into that. It could have held that off a little bit more. Um, but and they they could have set up some more villains. Like uh, in, in his mercenary days, I know in the comics he acquires some villains. Like, isn't his mercenary partner a big Moon Knight? Bushman, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say yeah. Who they mention right. when, when like they they go to the flashback of like oh it's. It's either one they go to Egypt for the first time, or they're like looking through his life in like the the Sea of Reeds or whatever. Yeah. Um, they he mentions Bushman, but yes. We, yeah. We we talked a lot about how, you know, they keep strongly hinting that there's this third personality, and I think they actually ultimately land that with the post credit scene. But that that kind of reminds me, a thing they hint at a lot, and then every character keeps being stupidly surprised by. Is that like Mark Spector was like there when Layla's father was killed? It's like this is the most obvious thing to everyone in this show, <laughs> and yet Layla has the audacity to get shocked about it while you're in the middle of like a tomb where there are monsters running around and Harold's <laughs> trying to like kill you both. And she's like, "No, we can't leave now. We have to have this big fight because it was you. Oh wait, it wasn't you. You were there." It's like, yeah, everyone in the world knows this, Layla. Where were you? <laughs> um, so I think a, that actually landed poorly for me. <laughs> yeah, I, yes. I I also feel like just kind of like a clunky um, thing where it's like, well, I didn't I didn't actually do it, but I was like, you know what I mean? It <laughs> I just, watched it happen. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I just, mean, he does kind of. The problem is like in the flashback episodes, he's kind of explaining that like he tried to stop it, and then he almost got killed. Yeah. Why doesn't he just say that? It, I don't know, like a lot of things in the show, to be honest, it, it felt kind of like uh, half-baked, <laughs> is my feeling. Um, yeah, they could have they could have had the character's motivations a little bit... They could have refined the character's motivations mm-hmm. and, and done that a little bit more, because obviously that's, that's what happens in a lot of these shows, is that, you know, they don't understand, they don't explain their motivations, and... They don't have real responses, or they don't have genuine responses to the situation that's happening to them. You know. Yeah. It also just makes me want. Do they ever explain how like they met? <laughs> well, he sort of. She says like the reason why we met is because he sought her out to basically make amends because he felt somewhat responsible uh, for her father's death, okay. which like made her angry, which is fair. Like that's kind of messed up. Um, I, I get, we don't know like where that happened, but we yeah. know that, that is the impetus. Yeah, we don't know what their first day was like. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, there were lots. I I just think yes, and the the script had the characters make I think a lot of strange like decisions. Like, and this is one thing that kind of like uh, lost me a little bit in <laughs> in in the final episode was like, so they. Mark Spector is shot by Arthur Harrow. He goes into this, like, Egyptian um, afterlife where uh, he has to balance his soul to um, escape the afterlife, basically, right? And stop Arthur Harrow's evil plot. Um, And that's told through primarily, like, the fifth episode where, you know, it's this sort of del dive, excuse me, this deep dive into Mark Spector's past. Um, which I think a lot of people found sort of very affecting and and really liked sort of the way it was told. Um, That was all good. But then it ends with essentially um, Stephen, the Stephen personality, like, dying, basically. Yeah. And then Mark Spector decides, no, I have to save the Stephen personality. And I didn't really understand that at all, (laughs) to be honest why he was trying to save a figment of his imagination that he developed to deal with his abusive mother 
It strikes me as kind of unhealthy. <laughs> he's not his full set, but Mark Spector is like the unhealthy one. S- Steven helps Mark. It, he's not full without Steven, you know? He's, Mark Spector is not exactly like a good guy. No. I think he tries to be a better guy by the end, but that's because he like reconciles with like this part of him that he shoved away. He's, he's, ba- he's basically like compartmentalized his life into presumably three parts. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not a therapist, but <laughs> my guess is if you, you know, have multiple personalities, like each of them is like problematic in their own way and you're not a complete person without all of them. That, that's just my guess. And I, I think that's definitely and, what the show's going for. And, and, and I think the fact that he needs the other personality to cope with his life regardless. And I think that that's what they're trying to like signify. It's like, hey, he needs this personality to cope. Like, I mean, obviously he's coping with the trauma from his abusive mother, but just in everyday life, he's gotten to the point where he needs this personality to cope and maneuver through everyday life. Yeah. And Steven is like genuinely helpful throughout the series. There's a lot of time spent on this like dichotomy and, and tension between the two of them. And Mark's like, you need to let me in or otherwise you're going to get killed. And Steve's like, no, I'm the only one who knows how to re- like read this ancient Egyptian stuff. Um, yeah. And like, they eventually have to like reconcile that. And I, you know, I think you could probably make the argument that by the end, Jake Lockley and Steven are much more useful over the series than Mark is. Mark is mostly spent like complaining why he's locked in. <laughs> and like hiding things from Steven in all of episode five, right? Is, is Mark is, yeah, I mean he's kind of a <laughs> he 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 often hinders like progress in the show. Yeah, I just realized what I really want is just like a therapist to write about this show and say what it gets right and wrong about <laughs> dissociative identity disorder, um, <laughs> dude. Because like I I don't know like the it my. It, I, I, I would have assumed that, um, I don't know, the, I, I think it was just difficult for me to wrap my head around this idea of him wanting to preserve, essentially, this coping mechanism designed to make him ignore uh, what was actually going on when he was a kid. That being said, I do think the relationship between Mark Spector and Stephen Grant and their interaction which is interesting to talk about because they're the same actor, is the most compelling relationship in the entire show, right? Like, Mark's eventual eventual begrudging respect for Stephen, I think is, like, you know, the, that, that's, that's where the roundness of the show is, right? Like, that's, that's, that's his journey. Um, and I, and I, I did find that kind of, you know, interesting. I, I mean, I also think it's that Layla loves Stephen. She's actually pretty mad at Mark. And Mark loves Layla. And, like, Mark real Like, Steven is, like, a non-toxic person. Despite being, like, a but- coping mechanism, he's relatively, like, nice. And, like, not killing people. And not murdering Layla's dad. But I guess <laughs> my thing is, like, he's not actually a person, though. But why is he any less a person than Mark at that point in the story? Exactly. They both have their own, like, lives... And plots. How dare you but try to kill a person, Mike? He he does Amit. <laughs> but no, but like he doesn't actually have I mean, he has a job and he has a flat, right? But he has a fish. When he's talking to his mom, he's not actually talking to anybody. Like that's a delusion. You're, 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 you're basically saying like the fact that they want him want to keep him alive, but he's he's essentially doing all this damage in his real life. I, I don't know. I guess my thing is, like, like if Stephen Grant wanted to try and get, like, a passport, like, legally he could not. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And, like... There are a couple problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's just kind of, like, a... I don't know. I, I think the, the idea of, like, attaching personhood to that we're, identity... We're getting into some uncomfortable waters here. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I am now... I have now just discovered I am very interested about the ethics of sort of, like, um, this problem. And <laughs> we'll now sort of skim through a bunch of reading about it, I guess. I don't know. I, I, it, it was just difficult for, for me to, like, wrap my head around the idea of, like, oh, I have to save this... Um, 
I just feel like there's a lot of like metaphysical problems with this show, right? There's like who can see the gods, and then there's like what does it mean to sort of like let this other part of your personality like die, quote unquote? Um, and like, isn't it like this is the most controversial thing I'll say? Oh boy, isn't it like oh if Layla's like boarding a life? <laughs> What? <laughs> you were going to say, no. isn't it a boarding? No, no, no. But isn't Layla sort of, like, wanting to be in love with Steven? Not, she is in love with him, it's implied, I guess. Not, you know. But, like, isn't her... Isn't there something kind of, like, abusive about that? <laughs> like... That the fact that she loves him? And like, isn't, like, the real person? Yeah, the fact that she's like, I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to the personality that you developed because of your abuse. Agreed. It's very toxic. <laughs> but Steven is part of Mark. Layla sees Steven as, like, this other part of Mark that's, like, better and nicer to her and knows all these cool things about Egypt. <laughs> like, I keep going that's back, fair. Like, Steven is generally, genuinely helpful, and I think Mark realizes that he needs Steven to survive, and he realizes that Layla is not going to survive if they don't both come back together. And that's why he leaves the field of reeds, and, you know, co- conveniently, Kanchu, like, reawakens, and his, he breaks out of his Ashakti, or whatever they call it, um, at that time, and Ushtabi, and they walk through the gate you know, i think I, I think can you so okay let Steven I, die i don't know what what you just described like makes sense i guess i don't feel like that was sufficiently communicated throughout the course of the show that's fair and that's, that's why fair. marvel hired me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> the moon knight spin doctor yes. exactly all right um anything so i, I i'm gonna kind of like or next segment will kind of like look to the future, but anything about the show, about these six episodes that we haven't touched on that you guys have strong feelings about that, that, that you want to discuss? I mean, I just can't emphasize the fact enough that them revealing why, why the other personality became, I think that that was a nice kind of oddly tender moment. I mean, I shouldn't say tender, but maybe like very empathizing you mm-hmm. know it's just like oh his mom was super abusive he created this and then even like it's very eerie like kind of like got to me like when he walks out of the or out of the after the funeral you know his dad sees him walk away and then he gets on the phone with her and she's obviously dead and it's just like one of those films where whoa okay this I can understand this. This makes sense. This makes yeah. this out of all the fantastical stuff, gods fighting on the the pyramids of Egypt, da da da. This was the thing that landed like the most for me emotionally, and I think that them adding that was great and awesome. Yeah, it actually reminded me of a uh, Mr. Robot a little bit. Hmm. Um, that interesting. That, yeah. Uh, with the the whole multiple personality and then uh, the flashback and kind of a disjointed storytelling, I guess. But uh, any, yeah. anything else for you to add, Lars? I, I mean, I would just tout just how great Oscar Isaac is for this role. Um, I think I, I was talking to someone, it may have actually been you, Mike, I don't remember, but it's like, he just plays, um, he, he can play, like, incredibly handsome and rugged and then play, like, schlubby doofus in, like, the same scene, like, like, you could convince, like, you, I could be staring at the exact same person, both of his roles, and I'd be like, that guy's ugly, that guy's handsome. <laughs> I don't know, like, it's just very That's a great very point. That's a great point. How he, like, uses his eyebrows and, like, his facial expressions and, like, very good job by him, I think. Yeah, it almost seems like he can, like, um, create and then, like, eliminate bags underneath his eyes at will. It's kind of, like, what it feels like. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I would agree. Oscar is like one of my favorite actors, honestly, of like all time. He's awesome. Um, can't say enough good stuff about uh, him. Oscar Isaac's greatest hits: A Very Violent Year. Good movie. Very good movie. Yes. One of my favorites. One you, of my I favorites. think you've seen that, Lars. I think we watched it with Lewis. Oh, it's the one where he's like the, the heating oil. Like he owns a heating oil company in the seventies. 
and his wife is like so. very hands she, on. She, and she's like mobbed up. Yeah. Jessica Chastain same place as wife. I don't think I've seen that. Oh, maybe it was oh, just you gotta, me. You gotta watch so. it. Um, Inside Lewin Davis, of course, also. Um, oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> definitely. I forgot about that. Yeah. Damn. Excellent. Definitely. Uh, I, I saw that in theaters when was expecting something completely different when I saw that movie at the time. And I just I remember watching. I was just like, wow. I was just like, he really pulls off being an asshole well. Oh yeah, <laughs> I in my the, the the greatest Oscar snub of the 2010s, if not the 21st century, if not of all time, in my opinion. Ooh. <laughs> we have to revi- we have to revisit that on a separate podcast. Yeah, it is one of my favorite movies too. So that there's that. But <laughs> one last Moon Knight note: I actually think this has the best music of any Marvel series so far. Mm. I just I really. Really? The the song the his song when it when he's well, in the bed I forgot who sung that yeah and uh, they have this like remix of an old Egyptian song in episode three which I really actually really enjoy <laughs> um, and I, I don't know I just like the theme and it's like like Conchu's little theme and like the Moon Knight theme it's just very I've been like humming it and I don't usually hum TV show themes it mm-hmm. it is the only Marvel series with music that I like remembered so i think yeah. i have to agree with you <laughs> every day i wake up whoever yeah. sung that <laughs> yeah. non-netflix division of course the jessica jones theme is is obviously the That's best true. one that is a good one never watched an episode of jessica jones she reminded me of like a, a emo homeless superhero <laughs> <laughs> i it's it's funny because like that's that's like my mom tried to watch and she's like i just i just can't stand looking at her like she's just like i don't i just really don't like that actress and i'm like you know what fair enough <laughs> so sad <laughs> um yeah all right um so, so that's moon knight so let let's like i said let's look to the future um a little bit um well let's not let, let's actually stay in the past a little bit let's okay so this has now been what is this moon knight <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, this is the fifth Disney Plus Marvel show. I feel like there must have been like ten already, but it's only the fifth. Um, how do we think sixth? No. Well, are you counting What If? Yeah. Oh, okay. I haven't watched What If, so I wasn't counting it. But oh. fair enough. Um, how do we think Moon Knight stacks up when compared to to these other shows? How where where would you slot it in? So we have WandaVision. Mm-hmm. WandaVision, Moon Knight, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Hawkeye, Loki, Hawkeye. and if 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 you want to, what if of the live? I, I still have I still have not watched all of Loki yet, and oh. I, I feel like I need to. Yeah, um, I, I think I'd go Hawkeye, Loki, Moon Knight. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, which I know is a very mm. unpopular opinion. I've just never wow. been a WandaVision fan. Oh. I liked it. I just Shot it fired. It was like the greatest show of all time. I mean, I didn't either, but... Yeah. Um, probably on my end, I would say WandaVision. Um, yeah, WandaVision. Uh, let's see. I'll go... I'll go Hawkeye, second, Moon Knight, third, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, next, and then, what is that, what if, after that, and then what if, what's, I'm missing one, I'm missing, well, Loki, 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 Loki. But, I watch it, yeah. but also, also, what happened, to, like, I think that Falcon and the Winter Soldier was hyped up and had the two most notable characters, and they kind of dropped the ball on it. I liked it. <laughs> I, I liked like the beginning of it and well, what i think it was is it just kind of like shied away from like that's another thing too like the, the last episode ruined that show because uh john walker just like kills a guy in front of a bunch of people and then they're all like friends with him again at the end <sighs> yeah uh, uh. i i think moon knight is the most um it's just so. It is the one I'm most anxious to rewatch again, and I've already rewatched it. Twice. Like I can't stop <laughs> watching Moon Knight, and like I like could not like 
I was like waiting. Like I like I would spend my days just like biding my time until the next episode came out. And like every single morning, uh, what every single Wednesday morning, I would like watch it. Why? Why do you think that is? I think it's because I just had no idea what was going to happen. I like Loki is the one that I feel the most similar to. That it is like this is like this could go any direction right now. This is very surprising stuff. Um, I I actually think like. Oscar Isaac is a big part of that. It's like he's just very captivating, and this yeah. series like continuously ends on like these cliffhangers. Um, and it's like, I, you know, I mean, I I watched all of these every week, but this one I just like needed to see. Interesting. I I think I was, I didn't feel that. I mean, I saw everything after everything had been out, um, so that that was a different watching experience, but. I mean, there were moments where it did start to captivate me and kind of brought me out of that lull of, like, the first, like, two episodes. Like, you know, when he opens up the windows and there's Cairo, that was like, oh, wow, okay, this is this is a new set piece. We're in here. And then also that, that whole episode, I guess the last two episodes, when you don't really know if this is a, a physical mental hospital and this is the, or this is a projection. Um, I thought that that whole thing was handled pretty well, and it was it really got you in. It really hooked you in. It was like one of the things. Uh, it was how I talked about you know carrots for the audience. That was one of the carrots, like that. Um, you know, uh, Mark's uh, origin. That was a carrot for the audience, and I think that those are two of the main things that kind of captivated me throughout the series. But I do want to rewatch it again, and I'm very interested, like you know, because that's what tells you if something holds up if you we watch it again you're still captivated just like how it was with batman yeah i um it's interesting because i i didn't really feel that way about the show (laughs) i for whatever reason of all the disney plus shows even falcon the winter soldier which i is my least favorite of the ones that have come out um like my ranking personally would be uh hawkeye loki wandavision um then Moon Knight, and then uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier. But, you know, I I think part of that might just be just, like, life circumstance. Like, I was traveling a lot when it was coming out, and just, like, had a lot of other stuff going on, so that that probably played a role in it, too. I don't know. It just did not grab me the way that even even Falcon the Winter Soldier, at, like, its highest points, grabbed me. Um, Mm. And I I don't know why. the, the CGI characters in front of the pyramids didn't I, grab you? <laughs> I think, honestly, like, I think part of it is, like, it's, like, the costume actually kind of underwhelmed me. It was too CGI. Oh. It just felt oh. like, something. it felt kind of cheap to me. I don't know. Well, uh, well a lot of people online, uh, I, I saw a lot of people online, and they're talking about, like, the CGI wasn't as good as some of the other series. And, uh, I mean, I guess I could see that, especially with the, the afterlife sequences, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I thought that was okay. I thought it was pretty decent CGI, but I, I saw a lot of people talking about that online, saying like the CG, CGI didn't hit as much as others uh, or some of the other TV shows on Disney Plus. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll talk about disappointing CGI next week when we talk about another Marvel property. But uh... mm, <laughs> spicy, yes. That's Moon Knight. So okay, we we've had these five shows. Um, we have. Let's see. We've got. Let, let, let's see what would the other. I should have pulled this up before I started talking. Ms. Marvel talking. coming out this June. Ms. Marvel coming out this year. We have an untitled Halloween special coming out this year. We then have the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special show coming out this year. We'll have a Secret Invasion show, an Ironheart show, Armor Wars, and then an untitled Wakanda series. The and fact that you know cool. that off the back of. <laughs> It's insane. I, <laughs> I assume he Googled it. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I knew the first four. Yeah. So, okay. Um, with all that in mind, like, how... Say you are, like, the head of, of MCU TV, right? Um, and some of these shows are still in, in, in production. Um, what, like, what lessons do you want to take away from your first five shows and apply to these ones that are coming up? What are things you want to do and things you don't want to do again? Um, don't... You don't have to stick to the six-episode format. And also, I, I think that they should learn that 
the audience is a lot smarter than they give them. Even, you know, even though they're not, you know, these properties, these TV show properties are not like super mature or violent. I mean, these fans are super smart. Um, just how we're peeling, combing through the issue with Layla and, you know, fighting him. Uh, and I think the probably the next thing would be not rushing everything with a light, like with a, a tied bow in the last episode. I think that that occurs with some of the series. Um, and I think that they could do better about that as far as like just kind of decompressing that whole season into a better format for the ending. Yeah, I, I honestly think my lesson is like there is a there is a perfect point for for these Marvel shows between the, you know, kind of ridiculous 13 episodes they were giving, like, Jessica Jones and Daredevil, which I think was, like, too much. There's a lot of filler in those shows. And, like, the six episodes they're giving to, like, a very well-established character, uh, like Hawkeye or Loki. Like, the Loki show is so dense when you think about, like, everything that happens in that show. And it's only six episodes. And, you know, I think, like, shoot for ten, people. Or like yeah, WandaVision ten, ten or eight. nine. They did like nine for WandaVision. Oh, and yeah. I don't see why they don't do that for more of them. It's like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you, I you have complete control over this. Why not? <laughs> it's like your own streaming service, Disney. Why not do a little more? Yeah, I I would agree. I think they need to allow themselves more runway than they. I feel like they learned the wrong lessons from the Netflix shows, which were always too long. Um, and now they're making them all too short. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, overcorrections all around. But uh, what, and which of those shows are, are you all the most excited for? If I can add a second rule, it's that casting is very important. Well, yes. Oh, yeah. I think the yeah, MCU is, like, very, very good generally at casting stuff. Generally. Um, but, like, Oscar Isaac, like, really carries this show. Mm-hmm. I'm very inclined to trust the... trust marvel and who they cast just because they do a really good job and that was a good get but you know having good actors usually makes for like better television this is true (laughs) yeah but what was your question again mike which 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 shows are which of the upcoming projects are you most excited for could you rattle them off again (laughs) I mean, the eventual Daredevil reboot, which I believe is not in Phase 4, but I think has now started production, is up there. But the, the big one's coming out this year, so is Ms. Marvel and She-Hulk. And then there's a couple like specials around the holidays. Um, I think She-Hulk this year. I don't know a lot about Ms. Marvel. Um, though I think the trailer for that just came out uh, in the last week or so. What is Armor Wars? Uh, it's the Don Cheadle, <laughs> you know. Oh, Iron Man or War Machine. War Machine, yeah. It's the War Machine show, yeah. Yeah. Woo. Uh, the, the, yeah, there are gonna be two Iron Man spinoffs of Ironheart and Armor Wars. Yeah. Who's Ironheart? Uh, is uh, Riri Williams who uh, is she? Be she? She basically becomes like she. I forget. I, I don't. I've never read any of her comics, but she initially becomes iron man in the sense that like she kind of like i think pretends to be iron man but then she becomes her she becomes iron heart oh yes i i think probably the the two i'm most interested in as far as like the next couple of shows is the guardian of the galaxies guardian of the galaxies uh holiday special i think that's that's going to be cool um really good and secret invasion I'm very interested because I was very interested in the Secret Invasion comic books back in the day, and I thought that was a great storyline. So I, I'm very interested to see what they do there. Yeah, I am also uh, I'm the most curious about Secret Invasion um, because that's like a big like epoch shaking event in um, the comics, where it turns out half of all your favorite superheroes are actually scrolls the whole time. So yeah. I'll be interested to see. Uh, how how that works out, but uh, yeah, we'll well when those shows come out, we'll uh, we'll be here to talk about them because this has been the Pony Express. Uh, thanks for joining me, guys. Um, as I mentioned, I am Mike Levito. I'm the editor in chief of the Post You can find my work there. Um, if you Google my name, you can find my work in multiple places. 
Um, Lars, where can people find you? You can also find me at Letterboxd at Ameramike. I left that one out. Yeah, you can find me on Letterboxd at Lars Emerson. And yeah, check out everything we write and do on thepostwriter.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Mlevito. I keep forgetting my plugs for some reason. But Alex, any, anything you want to promote? Um, uh, you can catch a lot of my writing on The Post Writer. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram. Everything is a racket. And that's it for all the plugs. All right. And you can listen to Pony Express anywhere you can find podcasts. Subscribe, like, rate it. You can also find it on thepostwriter.com. Once again... Thanks so much for listening. Uh, sleep tight, Moon Knight. I was I don't know why I was gonna do it, that, but <laughs> I, I, tra- I was like I'll make this rhyme and make sense somehow. It, all all it did was rhyme though. But uh, but thank you for all for listening. Uh, yeah, have a good one. <laughs>